1934, T.S. Eliot published Choruses from the Rock, a collection of choruses Eliot composed for a play he wrote called The Rock, which explored the history of the church and its plight in the modern world. Although the work is relatively obscure compared to many of Eliot's better-known works, it yielded some rather well-known lines. It is in the first chorus, for example, that we read the following. The endless cycle of idea and action, endless invention, endless experiment, brings knowledge of motion, but not of stillness, knowledge of speech, but not of silence, knowledge of words, and ignorance of the word. All our knowledge brings us nearer to ignorance. All our ignorance brings us nearer to death, but nearness to death, no nearer to God. Where is the life we have lost in living? Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we have lost in information? The cycles of heaven in 20 centuries bring us farther from God and nearer to the dust. These lines, best remembered for the distinctions they make among information, knowledge, and wisdom, would repay our careful attention. But it is to another set of lines that we will turn. In the sixth chorus, Eliot wrote, Why should men love the church? Why should they love her laws? She tells them of life and death, and of all that they would forget. She is tender where they would be hard, and hard where they like to be soft. She tells them of sin and evil and other unpleasant facts. They constantly try to escape from the darkness outside and within by dreaming of systems so perfect that no one will need to be good, but the man that is will shadow the man that pretends to be. Once again, Eliot gives us much we could reflect upon in these few lines, but let us focus on his claim that, in the modern world, human beings constantly try to escape from the darkness outside and within by dreaming of systems so perfect that no one will need to be good. These lines aptly capture what we might think of as the technocratic impulse in Western society, the idea that it is possible to engineer an ideal society independently of how human beings act, or worse yet, that human action itself can and ought to be engineered by the application of social techniques. Such an impulse can take on an obviously totalitarian quality, but it is present in subtler forms as well. Most notably, it is evident in mid-20th century theories of behaviorism and in the more recent nudging approach to design and policy popularized by Cass Sunstein and Richard Thaler and championed by many in the tech industry. In this approach, Small and often subtle interventions in the form of automated, po automated positive reinforcements or periodic reminders are seen as the path toward managing and shaping human behavior. Similarly, in her 2018 book, Reengineering Humanity, philosopher Evan Selinger and legal scholar Brett Frischman documented the countless ways in which modern digital technology aims at what they called engineered determinism. Historically, the technocratic impulse is evident in the evolution of the rhetoric of progress throughout the course of the 18th and 19th centuries. The earlier Enlightenment notion of progress viewed technology as a necessary 
but not sufficient cause of progress, which was understood as a movement toward a more just and democratic society. This political vision was gradually replaced by a technocratic notion, which measured progress by just one metric, technological innovation. The cultural historian Leo Marx put it this way, the simple small r Republican formula for generating progress by directing improved technical means to societal ends was imperceptibly transformed into a quite different technocratic commitment to improving technology as the basis and measure of, as all but constituting, the progress of society. Accordingly, technological innovation becomes a substitute for genuine political, economic, and social progress. Underlying this view is the accompanying desire for freedom without responsibility, or what, riffing on philosopher Albert Borgman, we have called regardless freedom. To dream of systems so perfect no one will need to be good, as Eliot put it, is to dream of systems that underwrite irresponsibility. Such systems would function whether or not human beings act virtuously and responsibly, but such systems do not exist. They remain a dream, or better, a nightmare. Virtue, as we will always rediscover, is an irreducible component of any rightly ordered society. If we are indeed in a moment that affords the possibility of reimagining and reforming our social structures, then we must resist the temptation to offload the necessary intellectual and moral label, labor to technical systems and solutions. To be clear, personal virtue is a necessary rather than sufficient cause of a just society. Modern societies do, in fact, require systems, institutions, and bureaucracies of varying scale and power. And it is possible that such systems not only fail due to a lack of virtue, but that they actively sustain and encourage vice and injustice. The well-ordered society requires both virtue and a just social infrastructure. The classical or cardinal virtues of temperance, prudence, fortitude, and justice have long offered a foundation for civic order. These virtues encourage restraint, sound judgment, moral courage, and the desire for an equitable social order. To cultivate such virtues, is to assume personal responsibility for the functioning of society. Beyond these cardinal virtues, the Church has always recognized the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. These remain indispensable for the Church, and while they cannot, in their explicitly theological character, be expected or demanded of the wider public, Christians can, by their participation, leaven the civic order with these virtues but it can do so only to the degree that it cultivates these virtues in her people.